0: We're not getting blueberries anymore, but this is a real fun time of year for me when I watch the new growth developing on the blueberry bushes and think about the future. Welcome to Longleaf Breeze. Subsistence farmers using three simple principles approaching but never reaching subsistence. It's got to be fun while we're doing it, and we don't make all misstatements. And now, Lee and Amanda Borden.
1: Thanks, Adrian, and welcome to our podcast of August the 7th, 2014. It's encouraging, it's actually exciting to see what's happening out in our orchard this year because we've been able to harvest enough fruit to actually not just eat it, but we hope make lots of jam. We talked last week about the apples and um, about the fact that you made a lot of jam out of the apples. You bet. (laughs) But we have more fruit coming on.
0: If I can be very personal for a moment, um, as you know, my primary bailiwick is fruit and your primary bailiwick is vegetables. And right from the start... You started bringing in basketful, baskets full of vegetables each night during the growing season, during the you know main summer growing season, particularly spring and fall, not so much during the heat of the summer. And I watched all of that with a little bit of low-grade envy because we were planting fruit trees and we were tending fruit trees and we were watching them but we weren't really getting much production out of them well finally they are beginning to mature now so we're looking at real abundance from the fruit as well as from the vegetables and that feels Mm -hmm. very good and I guess it makes me want to say for anyone who is contemplating beginning um, to grow fruit it's an exercise in delayed gratification it's going to teach you humility, and it's going to teach you patience.
1: That's right. But um, because it just takes a while for a fruit tree to mature to the point that it will produce enough fruit to, to really enjoy. Um, and, and we can pride ourselves on saying that we haven't used any synthetic fertilizer, and we didn't even really use a lot of compost on the, no, on the trees. And
0: if I were a real man, we probably would have used more compost, but we just didn't really get around to it. And we don't have much compost to work with, so uh, most of what our fruit trees have done, they've done more or less on their That's own. That's right. We have a, a we don't have a high input orchard. We have what I would call a very low input orchard. So everything has been slower in developing than it would be in a commercial orchard, for example, or even uh, an amateur orchard that whose keeper is. You, right on top of things
1: but one thing that we are doing along that line uh for the the main orchard fruits um not necessarily along the blueberry strip although we could um is planting cover crop that we think well you know you've got a plan for what kind of cover crop goes out there as well as having the chickens out there we're moving their um run around so that they're Manure over the years, we'll be spreading chicken manure over the
0: years, but that is an extremely slow build.
1: That's right, it is. Admittedly, I'm just saying that. But
0: over time, over time, we expect it will have an impact. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, The blueberries, as everyone listening to our podcasts knows, uh, I set on fire two years ago. Not on purpose. (laughs) Not on purpose. We basically burned everything to speak of down to the ground. And they've more or less fully recovered now. We have 35 blueberries that are growing and producing. And each year, three or four of them sort of bust out. They go from being a little, you know, shin high plant to being one that's more like thigh high. And then they, mm-hmm. from there, they then um, get pretty big fairly fast. So each, each year, we're seeing more and more of them break out. And as they break out, each one that breaks out produces blueberries in much greater abundance. So the blueberries are coming on, and we are encouraged about future years. We've already talked about the apples. That's that's a great story, and but we've already thoroughly explored it. I guess the next one up would be the pears, which I've... I still feel pretty good about, you know, the trees are in great shape Mm -hmm. and I think future years will uh, really give us some production we can be proud of.
1: Mm -hmm. And of course, my favorite, the Asian persimmons are out there. And and what, you said three trees are producing, right?
0: That's right. Three of of the six are producing and the other three we're just not sure about, but we're going to be patient and watch them come on.
1: And I say producing, we're not harvesting yet, it's early, but you can see the fruit on the trees. That's
0: true. The persimmons will be the very last fruit to ripen and the very last fruit to cling to the trees. And in fact, uh, there are years when the leaves of the persimmons have already dropped And the fruit is still out there, Mm -hmm. which is kind of fun.
1: Yes, it is. They're beautiful, too. And tell us about the muscadines. Those are coming on. The muscadines
0: is probably the the reason we're doing this podcast, because uh, we've had decent muscadine harvests in prior years. But um, for some reason, I just feel like this is our breakout year. Uh, We'll probably have twice as much. Of a harvest this year as we had last year and last year was nothing to shake you know it was nothing to complain about Um, what I think we'll probably do with them the uh, we want to store some to freeze some whole berries to use for dessert you don't you're not big on this but I love to eat five or six muscadines for dessert through the wintertime and if we store four or five-gallon Ziplocs full of whole muscadines, then I can do that throughout the year. Right. I would love uh-huh. to do a little more this year than we did last year because I ran out of them in about uh, January, I think. Aw. Uh, we also hope to make muscadine jam. And this year, I've told you that I am I would like to at least try a different way of doing it. The, the prior year when we made muscadine jam we tediously took the seeds out of the berries and by hand by hand yeah it was and boy was it slow and uh, exhausting i don't think either one of us is interested in doing that again so what i have suggested to you is this year i would like to push the seed and seeds and pulp out of each berry throw the skin Uh, and the remaining pulp of the berry into a separate bowl and the the seeds and pulp we will grind up very finely into a uh, puree.
1: I think what we agreed is you're going to try that a little bit of that to see how that tastes.
0: Exactly. We're not
1: going to haul off and make a full we're thing not going to make a huge like
0: batch of you're jam. You're going to try
1: one little bit before we waste a lot of muscadines because it Because the,
0: your concern is the seeds will make that mixture bitter.
1: Yes, anyone ever, who's ever chewed up muscadine seeds <laughs> knows that uh, those seeds are bitter. Even though they have, um, Arlie Powell tells us that they, the seeds um, have, uh, contain all these antioxidants. They're actually very good for you. But there are other ways to get antioxidants, uh, and you probably could even put them into a pill form or something. I don't know. But just the taste of that is not good. So we're going to experiment we'll lest we ruin it. our entire batch. That's right.
0: Now, next year or maybe the year after, mm-hmm. we remain hopeful that we will be able to experiment with making some wine from muscadines we don't have quite enough this year but if we get the kind of improvement next year that we have gotten this year we may be able to talk seriously about wine
1: right I think that would be really good because I've tasted some um, good muscadine wines from some local uh, vineyards around our area and uh, I don't like really sweet wines Many people might think, oh, muscadine wine, just, uh, well, maybe some of our listeners actually prefer a sweet wine. I don't, and uh, we've learned from several sources that it is possible to make muscadine wine that's not sickening sweet, so yes. we're going to try that
0: in One future of, I, years. I talked, I had a nice leisurely conversation with the fellow who is operating Whippoorwill wineries in uh, here in central Alabama, and I said, you know, why is it that you just can't make muscadine wine that's not sicky sweet and he said oh of course you can uh, the only reason we don't make a lot of it is that we live in the land of milo sweet tea and all our customers want sweet wine but if we wanted to we could make a wine that's not at all sweet
1: and that was encouraging to hear so, and we know when we make our own we are among those who do not like sweet so we're gonna we'll try to fashion it to our own palates
0: but i guess it, it <clears throat> it's a it's a time for me to express humble gratitude for this oncoming abundance of fruit and to realize this is what we were hoping for all along. We started this process of planting fruit trees in 2010. Is that right? right? Yes. So in we're the winter looking time. at, you know, four. No, maybe even before then. Is it possible? No, we didn't because we
1: didn't live here before then. (laughs) All
0: right. Um, So we planted um, the first fruit trees four years ago. And here we are four years later able to say, okay, we're now poised for abundance. So that gives you an idea about a timetable if you're thinking about starting this kind of operation. And just so you know, our total fruit... Orchard system is probably 130 trees total however a good many of those are blackberries and blackberries have not been a good performer for us yet now maybe at some point they will become so right now um, I'd say maybe 20-25 of those trees are blackberries and they're just really I, I'm not inspired by them. Yeah.
1: And it would be nice if we had enough blackberries that I can make blackberry jam at some point in the future. So yeah, we'll But we're not close
0: out. to that at this point. Um, we do have some plums that, to this point, have not produced that much. We've got a couple of Bruce plums, and we got the first plums off of them this year. And I, if I knew... Four years ago, what they were going to taste like, I would not have planted them. They're
1: big too, but what what I suggested to you is that go ahead and let them produce, keep them there. They're nice trees, um, they're healthy looking trees, and I can make plum jam or plum jelly from that. I like plum jelly.
0: Yeah, but you'd have to add so much sugar that it.
1: Well, you let me worry about that. But but I do like the. I do think they might be possible jam.
0: Uh. Um, maybe um, even I'm, wine. I'm maybe not cutting them wine. down yet, but if we don't get tastier fruit from them uh, in future years, I may be ready to cut them well, down.
1: Well, I hope that you will at least allow me to try to make something with those plums before you do that. I will. Okay. Uh, we'll they've
0: got another year, so, yeah. and, I just, and I fully expect you're going to get a lot of plums next good. year. So. Okay.
1: That's good. And the peaches have been disappointing because I think we had one year— in which we had, they were small, but they were really sweet.
0: And, and we, delicious. And
1: delicious, but then nothing, nothing.
0: Mm-hmm. And the we keep getting blossoms, um, but we don't get fruit from the peaches. And we've, we've known all along that growing peaches without any, you know, fertilizer, pesticide, herbicide, and so forth, is a dicey proposition. Uh, so, you know, it's possible that we'll never get peaches to speak of fortunately we didn't bank on that you know we kind of put those peaches in the ground to see if they might do something and And we could try
1: adding some additional compost around those trees to see what happens maybe But I'm not sure I'd
0: waste my compost on peaches. I might be inclined to use it on the blueberries and the muscadines where I know it'll make a difference.
1: And I'd like to talk about the figs before we wrap up for today because you brought in a, a, a small colander full of delicious LSU gold figs yesterday. Delicious. I mean, just sweet. And I had a couple of them for lunch. I had one for, you know, after dinner for dessert last night. They're just Nectar of the gods, what can I say? They
0: really are so (laughs) scrumptious. And these are perfect in the sense that they're still firm, and but but yet sweet and tasty, Um, so good. The LSU Gold is tricky because you have to watch them almost daily to make sure that you're not missing the ripe figs. They don't look that different from the green figs. Most of our figs, uh, the figs turn purple when they're ripe, and it sort of gives you a visual cue. You mm-hmm. can walk by quickly and say, oh, that looks like that might be ripe. LSU Gold, if you're not getting right up on top of it, staring at it, you might miss that it's ripe. Mm-hmm. So that that's the, the beef I have with LSU Gold. Mm-hmm. But the fruit, when it is ripe and when we find it at that stage, is delicious. You're
1: also seeing some uh, figs beginning to... Form on you said the brown turkey
0: the brown turkey and the lsu blacks are coming on we've got a tiny little papa john that's um it's you know got three or four figs on it, and it's it, tiny right?
1: because it got killed back to the ground right. with the frost right and then we our tiger fig has a few our
0: tiger fig for the first time this year has four or five figs on it so we'll have a chance to taste the fruit and see how i feel about it
1: so i think in the future we hope we will have an ample fig supply. It's just taking a while.
0: That's right. I think the, the future looks good for figs.
1: Now, the pomegranates, we only have two of those trees left. and
0: Yeah, and they're not anywhere close to bearing yet. They're they, probably two or three years away from bearing.
1: Because they got killed back to the ground, too, didn't they? They the
0: did, frost? and they were late being planted, too. We planted right, them what, two, two years, years ago. ago, yeah,
1: they're they're new newish trees, and they uh, haven't done well because of the cold. So we're hopeful, though, if we can get through another winter and get some size on them, maybe in the future we have pomegranates. Yeah. But anyway, this was a great wrap up of our fruit production system and um, a report on that for you. So I hope you have a good week, and we'll catch up with you next time. Take care.
0: You've been listening to Longleaf Breeze with Lee and Amanda Borden. You can call the farm at 334-625-8682. Send email to letters at longleafbreeze.com. Our address is P.O. Box 780-446, Tallahassee, Alabama, 36078. Visit us at longleafbreeze.com to learn more about the farm, to browse our archive, and to look over our planting database. You can also read the daily farm log and check in with Lee and Amanda. That's longleafbreeze.com.